I don't think the Islanders' power play is going to be abysmal. A lot of speculation that this will finally be it for that fourth line. I find it a little tougher, to be honest, as a right-handed guy on the right wing. You can come back to this after the season and laugh at me. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 170, as we get set to drop the puck for real on the 2023-24 season. On Saturday, the Sabres visit UBS Arena as the Islanders get underway. And hi, I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday, and honestly, couldn't be happier right now. Here's my day. I I went out and covered uh, practice, so I got to see the Islanders practice today, knowing that there's an actual regular season game uh, within 48 hours. Came home, wrote about hockey, uh, podcasting about hockey now, and on the screen, there are actual hockey games to watch. So it's been a hockey day for me. There are going to be a lot of those coming up. And uh, you know what? Uh, Really, really looking forward to this season and uh, seeing how it all shakes out for the Islanders. And uh, before delving into the Islanders, uh, I I, I was struck by something uh, a Flyers coach, John Tortorella, said today, this morning, prior to his team's season opener in Columbus on Thursday night, and he was asked about, you know, as coaches are right now, about the uh, the regular season opener and whether he could recall his first one, which he couldn't, and just the, the overall vibe for, for both coaches and players uh, to start the season. And uh, it was a long quote. I'll, I'll give you some of the highlights. And um, so Tort says, quote, it's exciting for the coaching staff, too, to see it. And then he goes on to say, I'm not nervous. It's an anticipation. I can sit here and tell you about the room, about this and about that. I don't know what we're going to be, meaning the Flyers. And then, and then here was the, the thing that really struck me. He goes, camp is camp. I'm not sure who hates camp more, the players or coaches. Once you get going, it's exciting, but then when you get go through it, you just want to see what people really are when real stuff starts. That's always been, I think, for everybody, players and coaches. So I, I love the honesty there uh, from Torts uh, because uh, very few coaches or players are going to tell you exactly how much they just really just want to get through camp. Uh, you know, without getting hurt. And, you know, Torch is the first coach I've heard who said even coaches hate camp, you know, because coaches always talk about the teaching and what they've got to get done. So uh, I, I thought that was interesting. And like I said, kind of apropos as we, we start the regular season. Um, look, it's been a long a long slog for the Islanders to get to this Saturday. Uh, they they first took to the ice at training camp on September 21st. And remember, a lot of the players come in for these informal captain skates late August, certainly by Labor Day. So they're skating uh, unsupervised by the coaches for uh, two, three weeks before training camp even starts. So training camp starts on September 21st. They play six preseason games, and now finally on October 14th, 
Uh, they are finally going to host the Sabres at UBS Arena. And only the Islanders and Ducks had to wait that long uh, to start their season. The NHL opened their season on Tuesday. Uh, Chicago, with the number one overall pick, Connor Bedard will... Uh, who, by the way, just an aside on Connor Bedard, he's already showing how much he belongs in the show, uh, e- even at his young age. Uh, he's still a teenager. Uh, Chicago will be playing their third game on Saturday as the Islanders are opening up their season. And players and coaches can talk all they want about what needs to be accomplished in training camp and through the six preseason games. But like Tort says, you really don't get a real sense of what the team will be and how everything will work together until the puck drops for the regular season. Um, you know, like Torts, Matthew Barzell, I, I thought, gave us a dose of honesty after the Islanders' fourth preseason game. There was a, a, a game in New Jersey uh, against the Devils on October 2nd when he said after the game he was essentially tired of the preseason and couldn't wait for the regular season to start. I think that's where we all were and are. And so let's start with uh, some news leading up to the season opener. First off, um, ex-Islander Josh Bailey is again an unrestricted free agent after being released from his professional tryout by the Senators. Uh, He spent training camp with Ottawa. I bring up Bailey because uh, obviously he was the longest tenured Islander uh, at the end of last season. And, uh, over a thousand games with the Islanders, and it's really unclear whether Josh is going to be able to hook up anywhere and continue his career. Uh, certainly, right now, at the start of the season, everyone is cap squeezed. Uh, Bailey played in six preseason games for the Senators, out of the Senators' eight preseason games. He had a goal and five assists. But, but the Senators are really focused on trying to find the cap space to sign RFA restricted free agent Shane Pinto, who is from Long Island. Uh, there's been plenty of media speculation about the Islanders trying to take advantage of the Senators' cap squeeze and maybe bring Pinto back to the island. I, I think it's a, a nice thought, but of course the Islanders would have to do some real cap gymnastics of their own to make that work. And uh, if you recall, I reported this offseason uh, that Islanders president and general manager Lou Lamorello had engaged with the Senators when they were trying to work out a trade for uh, winger Alex DeBrincat, who wound up with the Detroit Red Wings. And Lou floated Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who the Islanders got from the Senators, and Oliver Wallstrom as potential trade pieces. And it wouldn't shock me if if that was revisited somehow, uh, if the two teams discussed Pinto. But just like this summer... I'm not sure how much interest there would be on the Senators' part for a deal like that. Um, the Islanders had to submit their salary cap compliant roster of uh, a maximum 23 players on Monday to do so. They placed tough guy Ross Johnson on waivers, reassigned Simon Holmstrom, who had who was the only waiver-exempt forward remaining in camp, to AHL Bridgeport, even though Holmstrom had skated on the top line with Bo Horvat and Matthew Barzell pretty much throughout camp and in the preseason, uh, save for the one preseason game, Anders Lee skated with those two. 
Um, the, the grand scheme was to recall Holmstrom and reassign Johnson to Bridgeport once he cleared waivers, which of course he did not. Ducks claimed him on Tuesday, taking on the final three seasons of Johnson's four-year, $4.4 million contract. And the, the players will undoubtedly miss Johnson, who protected them on ice and never really showed anything but a great attitude despite barely playing in his six seasons with the Islanders, 134 NHL games over those six seasons. And, uh, you know, Matthew Barzell called him like a big brother and Noah Dobson was saying how close he was to Ross Johnson. They're both from Prince Edward Island. And you, you went around the room and, and Ross Johnson was really beloved, but that's the business of hockey. And uh, if he didn't, have a spot amongst the final 23, well, you know, the Ducks, you know, good for Ross because he may get more of a chance to play at least early in the season as the Ducks deal with a little bit of injuries. Um, Ross may get some regular playing time early in the season and you never know where it goes from then. So uh, anyway, Johnson went to the Ducks. Holmstrom was recalled uh, to fill out the 23-man roster on Thursday. Holmstrom went right back on a line with Bo Horvat and Matthew Barzell, the right shooting Barzell. And remember, of course, he's a natural center. He started training camp on Bo Horvat's right wing, while the uh, left-handed shooting Simon Holmstrom, who's a natural right winger, was on the left wing. But in the sixth preseason game, the two wings uh, switched, putting Barzell on the left and Holmstrom on the right, and that's where they were again at practice on Thursday after Holmstrom was recalled. And here's Matthew Barzell after practice on Thursday explaining why he's more comfortable on left wing and how that switch came to be. I find it a little tougher, to be honest, as a right-handed guy on the right wing. Um, your, your stick is always exposed to them. It's just a little different, you know, so... Um, just asked Laner if I could hop on the other side, and he said, yeah, go ahead, switch it up. And uh, I think two shifts later, Holmstrom uh, was on the right, and he zipped the pass over to Bo, who ended up burying. And that was because we were on our offsides, and we could make that play. So, um, you know, you just look at Panarin, Kane, uh, Pasternak, I think. You know, those guys all tend to play their offsides a little more dangerous, so I'm hoping it, it translates for me. So here are the lines that the Islanders will likely open with against the Sabres, and as discussed, the top line uh, from left to right will be Matthew Barzell, Bo Horvat, Simon Holmstrom, Brock Nelson will center Pierre Ingvall on the left, and Kyle Palmieri on the right, reuniting that line from the end of last season. J.G. Uh, Pajot will center Captain Anders Lee in Hudson Fashing, and then of course, you have back again the uh, the identity line of Casey Sezikis with Matt Martin on the left and Cal Clutterbuck. Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck remembering entering uh, the final seasons of their contract. So uh, a lot of speculation that this will finally be it for that fourth line. Um, that configuration leaves ex-Ranger Julian Gauthier and Oliver Wallstrom as the extra forwards for now. Gauthier had a very good camp, I think. Um, the coaches are certainly intrigued by his speed and size. He does need to score regularly, something he never could do with uh, with the Rangers or, or, or any of his other NHL stops. Um, but I, I, I do think... 
before long, he's going to get a chance uh, in the Islanders lineup. Uh, he skated on uh, in practice on uh, Tuesday while Simon Holmstrom uh, spent two, day pra- two days practicing with Bridgeport. Uh, Gauthier was on uh, the top line with Barzell and Horvat, and Horvat was asked about Gauthier's speed. And uh, Horvat said he's stupid fast, quote unquote, um, which is something that that Holmstrom is not. He, he's a good skater. He's responsible defensively. He'll go into the corners. He'll retrieve pucks. Uh, Holmstrom needs to show he can produce offensively on a regular basis. Uh, he's got a decent shot, decent wrist shot. He likes getting it off from the slot, but he needs to get it on net more and he needs to uh, produce more. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, Julian Gauthier is going to be pushing for playing time. So, too, eventually will Oliver Wallstrom. He clearly still needs to uh, get his knee back into more playing shape. He, of course, injured it on December 27th, uh, season-ending ending ACL uh, on his knee. Um Wallstrom still needs to get quicker, play quicker. I, I think it's been a smart play on the Islanders uh, to, to sort of have him start here as an extra forward. He's been working hard after practice. It's just going to be repetition and the knee healing. Um, that's what it's going to take for Oliver Wallstrom to uh, get back into the lineup on a full-time basis. Defensively, Lane Lambert went with Adam Pellick and Noah Dobson as kind of his final uh, uh, pairings in, in training camp. Pellick and Dobson, which puts Alexander Romanov with Ryan Pulak instead of the long-standing top pair of Pellick and Pulak together. Um, Sebastian Ajo and Sam Bolduke kind of rotating in, but I, I think it'll be Sebastian Ajo with Scott Mayfield uh, as the third pair, especially since uh, Sebastian Ajo uh, has been practicing regularly with the second power play unit, which Ryan Pulak is also in. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. So Ajo practicing with PP2 is likely telegraphing that he'll be in the lineup uh, against the Sabres. And of course, in net, Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov, and I think the biggest upset of training camp, and you know this is this is on us on the media so far. No one has uh, has has bothered to ask Lane Lambert whether Ilya Sorokin is starting against the Sabers. Uh, I mean, it's it's a joke because uh, whenever Lane Lambert was asked last season about goalies, he of course would not divulge any information, uh, I, I think maybe I can count on two two or three fingers the times during the season where he was really, yeah, this guy's going to be in net tonight. Usually it's a, uh, we'll see in warm-ups. Um, but it's going to be Ilya Sorokin on Saturday. Um, some of my thoughts on the lines and, and deep pairings. First, I'm honored, and I really like the suggest. Uh, really like the fact the fact that uh, Lane Lambert and the coaching staff took my suggestion that Anders Lee should be on the third line with JG Pajot. I I just think at this stage, um, Anders Lee fits in there really, really well as compared to maybe uh, playing with uh, Horvat or Barzell, which is something that Lee did in one preseason game. Um, 
little surprised that Pierre Ingvall, who is also uh, gifted with a ton of speed and a ton of size, uh, that he was never tried with Bo Horvat and Matthew Barzell. But I, I, I got to think that Lambert is just so comfortable with what Ingvall and Nelson and Palmieri were doing at the end of last season that he, he just decided to go right back to that. Palmieri uh, missed the first two weeks of training camp with an undisclosed injury, but he went right back on Nelly's uh, right wing as soon as he was on the ice. Um, uh, we talked about Gauthier, and I'm not sure how much longer Wallstrom needs to work uh, before getting his first crack in the game. Like I said, I, the Islanders are clearly being uh, cautious with him. He, he was noticeably just a step slow through camp, which is nothing against Oliver Wallstrom. He's he's coming back from an ACL. It's been less than 10 months since the injury. Um, and, and the common thought is it, it takes a year to get back to that. You know, we we saw that with Anders Lee. Uh, he came back and then his play uh, eventually progressed to the point where he, w- he was playing uh, the kind of power forward that, that he can. Um, but you couldn't risk trying to get Oliver Wallstrom through waivers and get him a time at Bridgeport. So here we are with uh, Wally and Julian Gauthier as the... Uh, as the extras. And and defensively, Lane Lambert apparently learned a lesson from last season about not having Alexander Romanov and Noah Dobson paired together. Uh, If not, he was certainly reminded in the preseason when he put those two together in a 5-2 loss in Philadelphia during the fifth preseason game. Those two just don't mesh defensively. They're good trying to get the puck up ice. Um, they're both just 23, and they work better with uh, with a veteran presence. Um, you know, each of the 23-year-olds, uh, it's uh, it's Romanov with Pulak, lefty-righty, and Pelik with Noah Dobson, and that's a lefty-righty. And, and Dobson and, and Romanov, their games seem to get a little bit better uh, when they were separated last season. So there's hope that they can... Uh, do that from the start. As far as what I think the Islanders are going to do last this season, they they finished 42-31 and 9. They they earned the uh, first wild card berth last season. Uh, they they had to win their final game and they they had to get Chicago to come into Pittsburgh and beat the Penguins late in the season. Otherwise, the the Penguins really could have matched, you know, grab that spot, and we'd be talking about a team that had missed the playoffs for two straight years. They didn't. The Islanders got in. Um, they lost to the Hurricanes in six games. Uh, like I said, they were 42-31-9. and nine. I, I think a full season of Bo Horvat and Pierre Engvall and any kind of power play improvement that might bring... Uh, Let's say it gives the Islanders a couple of extra points there. I I still think it'll be enough for this team to secure a wild card spot uh, in in Newsday in our season preview. I predicted the Islanders to go 43-30-9, which would be 95 points, which probably would put them right on the cusp of a a wild card spot, fighting until the... uh, the last game again, I would think. But uh, look, we've seen this time and time again. Anything can happen in the postseason. For this group, 
I don't think it really matters where they finish up, honestly. Um, you know, they're, they're a team that's going to grind it out during the season and then, you know, probably scare a team or two if, they, if it's the playoff matchup, just because of how hard the Islanders can play against a team. Uh, look, last season, two of the four division winners were eliminated by wildcard teams in the first round. And uh, just a couple of things or dates to watch uh, this season. Um, the Islanders play their first three games and six of their first eight at UBS Arena. I'm, I'm sure the players and coaches would like a better mix. Uh, I'm sure they'd like to get out on a you know a two two or three game road trip in the first month. Uh, the first two road trips are just consecutive Saturday single games in Buffalo and Columbus. There's not a real chance for extended bonding there, although this team knows each other so well by now. But still, you know, I know the guys enjoy getting out on the road, getting dinners in, and just it just being all about the team. Um, the first real road trip is not until, uh, well, the games are November 13th through the 18th. That's a trip to Edmonton, Vancouver, Seattle, and Calgary. And the one thing I would like to point out on that trip is just how bad the itinerary is. That's uh, So you fly from the U.S., from Long Island to Edmonton, you cross the border, okay? Um, usually Edmonton and Calgary are paired together because they're so close, but no, the Islanders go from Edmonton on to Vancouver, uh, and then, and then from Vancouver, they dip down to Seattle, so you're crossing a border for that game on a back-to-back, and then from Seattle, now you fly back to where you start, and you go back to Calgary, and you gotta cross the border again, um, and then from Calgary, you go back to Long Island, and that's another stop with customs, and, uh, you know, I, I I know the players are not going through, you know, customs like, say, you or I would be doing, but still, the, the custom agents come onto the plane, they check the bags, uh, it's, it's not, it's often not an easy-peasy situation, so I think four of those border crossings is a little bit much. I, I think the NHL did the uh, Islanders a little bit dirty with that trick. Um, the Ducks make their lone visit to the island on December 13th. The Islanders are in Anaheim on March 10th, and uh, it's TBD whether Big Ross Johnson will be in the Ducks lineup for either of those games. And uh, look, if Josh Bailey does not hook up with another team this season, i expect some kind of night for him at UBS Arena at some point during the season, even if he does not formally announce his retirement. Um, And again, uh, here's some keys as I see it to the Islanders season. And uh, look, the Islanders need more of the same from Ilya Sorokin, who finished second in the Vesna balloting last year. He went 31-22-7. and He had a 2.33 goals against average, a 9.24 save percentage. If you look at his advanced analytics, they were off the charts. Um, Expected wins, stuff like that. Um, He's 28. He's entering his fourth NHL season. Prior to that, he played five seasons in the KHL, uh, absolutely in the prime of his career, a seasoned veteran. 
Um, and the Islanders have completely bet their future on him remaining at this elite level for the long term. He agreed to an eight-year, $66 million extension that doesn't even begin until next season. Um, he should play close to 60 games. Um, and, and I think his health is the single most important factor to the Islanders' season. Uh, Semyon Varlamov is an above-average backup goalie at this stage in his career, um, and there's some some argument that he could have gone somewhere else and competed to be a starting goalie, or at least, you know, 1-1-A. Um, he knows the deal here. He's fine with that. Um, but past Semyon Varlamov, there are no other goalies in this entire organization with any NHL experience. Um, after Corey Schneider retired, um, which he just announced recently. Um, but Corey wasn't coming back anyway. If he was going to play, he was going to play in Europe this year. Uh, a couple other keys. We talked about Matthew Barzell now switching to left wing. Uh, his adjustment and figuring that out um, is going to be huge, not only for him, but, uh, you know, playing with Bo Horvat. That top line absolutely 100% has to play like a top line. Um, Bo Horvat should be much more comfortable this year after kind of a scramble last year, getting traded, trying to move his family coast to coast. Uh, he now has a home on Long Island. He's gone through a training camp with the Islanders, Horvat, and everyone believes that that level of comfort will certainly translate onto the, uh, ice. Now, remember, Horvat's coming off a season and, and, you know, granted it was a contract year. He's playing for a contract, but... He had already matched his career high of 31 goals and also had 23 assists in 49 games for the Canucks at the time of his trade. Um, he wound up with just seven more goals and set nine more assists in 30 regular season games for the Islanders. So, uh, like I said, and like Bo has said, you know, he thinks being here a full year is going to do him a world of good. That would be great. Another key, certainly for the Islanders, is having... Uh, if not an effective power play, the power play can't be a, a momentum sinkhole like it was at times last year. They finished 30th out of 32 teams at 15.8%. They had 30, uh, 35 power play goals and 222 opportunities. And then they went an abysmal, uh, just an abysmal one for 18 uh, in the six game loss to the Hurricanes. Um, you, you, the, the reason for hope is that in the six full games, Barzell and Horvat played together as on the, the top power play unit after Horvat's acquisition. The Islanders were six of 17, which works out to 35.3%. And in comparison, the Oilers led the NHL season at 32.4. So I'm not suggesting the Islanders are going to be at a 30 point, you know, 30% clip this year, but they should certainly be better than 15.8%. You'd like to see them, you know, 22, 23, 24% would, would, would do a world of good for the, uh, for the Islanders, the power play units. Noah Dobson is uh, going to quarterback the top unit. Uh, Barzell will be on that left uh, circle in the uh, Alexander Ovechkin spot. Bo Horvat in the middle in the bumper, uh, Brock Nelson over on the right side, Kyle Palmieri will be the net front, and like I mentioned, Sebastian Ajo is quarterbacking the second unit, 
um, which right now has Ryan Pulak in the left circle, at least until Oliver Wallstrom rejoins the lineup, J.G. Pajot in the bumper, Pierre Ingvall on the right, and Anders Lee at the net. Um, and look, while, while we're at it, um, let me just throw this out here. These are guaranteed to be just... Uh, you know, you you guarantee to you can come back to this after the season and laugh at me. But here goes my overall NHL predictions in the Metro in order one through eight. I like the Hurricanes, Devils, Rangers, Islanders, Penguins, Caps, Flyers, Blue Jackets. I think the Flyers, by the way, under Torts are going to be a tough out for anyone. I, I, I they're going to play better than a seventh place team um, in the Atlantic. Um, I listed it as Maple Leafs, Panthers, Lightning. I think the Lightning will tread water until Andre Vasilevsky gets back and and then be good enough to secure one of those top three spots in the division. And it goes Sabres, Bruins, Red Wings, Senators, Canadians in the Central Division. Um, Obviously, I spend a little less time, uh, you know, kind of combing through the Western Conference, but in the Central... I put down the Avalanche, Stars, Wild, Jets, Predators, Coyotes, the Blues, and Chicago, even though Chicago will be a heck of a fun team to watch with all their uh, young players, especially Connor Bedard. In the Pacific, you got the defending Stanley Cup champion, uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I got them winning the division again. And then the Flames, Oilers, Kings, Kraken, Ducks, Sharks, Canucks. And for my cup final... I've got the Hurricanes over the Avalanche. Let's call it seven games there. But that's enough for me previewing the season. Uh, here's the chat I had with Bo Horvat in the Islanders' room on a, a, a few topics as we approach the season. Conceptually or structurally, now that you've gone through one with the Islanders, did you find any big differences between here and Vancouver in terms of the training camp? Um, you know, there's obviously there are some differences, but uh, you know, for us in previous training camps in the past that I've been to, it's, it's a lot of just skating and stuff like that, where I found this one it was a lot more about structure and, and system stuff and, and, and that kind of good stuff. So um, I enjoyed that. I mean, it's, it's nice to get that dialed in before the season starts, not while you're going in it. And um, I think the coaching staff did a good job of that. What, um, what is this week? It's a little odd to have this much time off yeah. between final preseason. You know, how do you stay sharp and how do you... You know, yeah. no, I mean, yeah, I think we just have practices like we just did battle, compete, uh, structural. You know, they play uh, some kind of scrimmage um, type scenarios to keep you ready for for the games. And um, I thought it was a good practice today. We just could have a lot more good practices like that come forward. How, how do you see the team kind of coming together? You know, first day of preseason, and what what needs to go right here at the start of the season? I think we seem to hit the ground running. Obviously, I think you know, um, I think we need to dial in our power play um, you know, get our special teams right and I think we're, we're pretty good at you know playing well defensively and, and you know our structure so it's just nailing down those those other things like I said the power play and the special teams um, you know to kind of get us going right off the bat six or eight of home 
in, in, in this month. Is that, do you see that as an advantage or, you know, I know sometimes teams like to get on, out on the road early just to, to bond a little. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I think this team's been together long enough and, you know, for me it's, you know, it's obviously just trying to fit in and, and um, but I think it's great. I think, you know, you get to be at home with your families, you get to, you know, kind of get into a routine and, and um, you know, obviously get, you know, last change and stuff like that. So we're going to use this to our advantage and, and go from there. What have you seen out of Matt Barzell? It's, he's been very assertive to me all, all through training camp, yeah, you know, kind of from day one. And how does that carry over? And what can you do to keep that to keep that going? Yeah, no, I think he's been great. I mean, you know, he's, he's controlling the play, he's shooting the puck, and, and you know, making stuff happen every uh, you know, every time we're out there. It seems like so he's a fun player to play with. And again, we just got to keep that going through the regular season now. How have you built the communication? Where, you know, because sometimes he does come over to the middle, you go over to the wall. How instinctive has that become? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be, you know, and they're also be running into each other out there. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he, uh, I just got to make those reads. I mean, it's just, it's up to me um, or him, you know, to see where each other's going to be out there and kind of make those reads in there. Um, I'm starting to get used to it. I mean, it's nice to actually have preseason games to kind of get used to that. So um, now I just got to, again, keep doing the same thing and, and uh, hopefully it continues in the regular season. You, you talk about the power play. Obviously, Noah Dobson is a, a big part of that, right? Yeah. Um, what did you see out of him last season, you know, offensively, defensively, and how, how crucial is what he does to where this team goes? Yeah, it is. It's big. I mean, you know, for him um, back there, he's kind of the he can kind of see everything that's in front of him. So he's going to be, you know, being able to make those reads, make those plays. And so far, he's done a great job of that. So, I mean, it's just a matter of him keeping, you know, trying to get us the puck in our hands as quick as possible, but at the same time back there making plays and, and doing what he does best, and that's getting pucks through, you know, getting into bars here and Ellie on the half wall and, and maybe finding my stick out front. So um, he's a good, great player, and, I mean, he's going to be good for us all season. And just last one, you, when you first came over here, like the numbers on the power play were off the charts. It would have been number one in the NHL. There's six full games you two played together. What, what was going so right in What's the confidence that you can replicate? I'm not saying, you know, you're going to be at 35% all year, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, again, I think it's just confidence. Every time we go over the boards, we know we're going to have an opportunity to score. And I think that's kind of what we lacked in the playoffs and, and down the stretch was um, was confidence, just being able to make those plays and, and know that, you know, the other guy's going to be there to make those plays. And I think us being predictable out there and us knowing what each other's job is and where, we, where each other's going to be is going to be huge for us. So um, hopefully we can pick up where we left off. And now... It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And, and thanks for everyone who submitted. As always, couldn't do this without you, obviously, and I appreciate all the support. Um, Cordup said, what's the one wild prediction that you feel is too crazy to say, but you badly wanted to say? And you know what? Uh, <laughs> I, I rolled this around, and here's one I... I, I do feel too crazy to say just based on past performance, but I, I don't think the Islanders' power play is going to be abysmal this season, and I don't think it's going to be a momentum drain. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to lead the league, but I, I think the Islanders can get into, say, the top 12 or 13 in the league on the power play. Um, LGI says, 
Why does the NHL think it's a good idea to kick the season off on a Tuesday and then have the Islanders wait until Saturday for their first game? This isn't how you grow the game. And look, this is just me talking off the top of my head. Um, I think something happened there. I I really do. I I think the NHL uh, tried to schedule it differently and, and, and get the Islanders uh, an earlier start date because Saturday, it is a really long time, especially with how many games some other teams are playing before the Islanders play. I think this is sort of a, you know, schedule 2.0 that uh, the, the Islanders original start uh, for whatever reason the, the could not be scheduled the way the NHL wanted to. Uh, that's just my uh, kind of speculation there. William Kosky says, who has more eyes being watched on them from an organizational standpoint, Lou Lamarillo or Lane Lambert? Um, I would say Lou Lamarillo. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Lane is directly under Lou's uh, uh, stare, uh, but I think from an organizational standpoint, uh, you know, and I said this last season, it didn't come through, but... Uh, you know, it, I, I think it really is a make, and, make or break year from an organizational standpoint for Lou Lamarillo. Um, what can be done to improve the power play if the preseason is an indicator? It does not look good yet again. And this is still from William Kosky. And, you know, look, I told you the personnel, the personnel doesn't change. Although I, I think having Horvat and Ingvall there for a full year um, will help the power play. Certainly, um Horvat in the bumper position, uh, and you gotta, you gotta think that whatever chemistry Horvat and Barzell found those first six games together, uh, they're going to rekindle and improve the power play that way. Um, Brutus Roasting says, can Matthew Barzell finally get more than 25 goals now that he's on wing? And, uh, Matthew Barzell's career high for goals is 22 I believe, and that was his rookie season. He hasn't been over 20 goals since. And you know what? I do think he's going to get more more goal-scoring opportunities. He's been very aggressive shooting the puck and looking for a shot through preseason training camp. So, yeah, I, I think 25 goals, that's right around what you're going to look for or hope to get out of Matthew Barcel this season. I, I certainly think he can do that. Um, Jack Anton says, assuming that Simon Holmstrom continues his lackluster production, how long can Lane Lambert keep him on the first line? Lambert's own leash is short enough. Holmstrom's has to be even shorter. And that's followed by Michael, who also asks, how long of a leash does Simon Holmstrom have on the top line? And if they do go a different direction, is it Gauthier that slots in, or do they do look to bring someone in again? And look, uh, I will say I do. I do agree. I think Simon Holmstrom has a short leash here. Um, and not that he's got to score a goal a game, or you know, have two goals against the Sabers. Um, but if the Islanders are going along at one or two goals, it's going to be very easy to to swap. Holmstrom out and try Julian Gauthier there, at least in the short term. And if if that doesn't work, and then, you know, this is a different equation when Oliver Wallstrom is fully healthy. He'll come in. Maybe they can push, you know, Pierre Engvall up uh, and try him there before they go looking to, to make another trade. Um, Andy Hicks, 
Um, do you think it's time the NHL revisits its waiver slash AHL slash junior rules? No adoption spent his first year not playing. I think he played 34 games or so. Uh, Samuel Bolduc, uh could slow his development by not playing much this year. If Ajo plays well and Wallstrom needs some competitive conditioning, maybe flexible short-term loans. Um, the, the, the rule here is uh, Canadian junior players cannot go to the AHL until they're 20, which is, uh, you know, why uh, uh, Noah Dobson spent his rookie season uh, because the Islanders did not feel he would gain anything in the juniors. Bolduc is different. Uh, he is not waiver exempt, exempt, so the Islanders risk losing him if they try and get him to Bridgeport. Um, but I, I don't know about the waiver rules. I don't know if the NHL revisits that, but I, I, I know Lou Lamorello was confident, uh, the last time I asked him about this, that maybe the AHL, uh, uh, minimum age would be lowered a little bit to, uh, make it more, you know, so a guy like Noah Dobson could have gone to, uh, Bridgeport at 18 or 19, um, you know, that rookie season. I, I think that would be in the best interest of certainly the NHL teams, the organizations, and the players. I, I do think that is one rule that is eventually going to change. Um, Brian G says, does the team realize after two seasons they need to take more shots on goal to be successful? They can't just defend the whole game. And look, at the beginning of last season, uh, Lane Lambert tried to get that going. He tried to push the defenseman up more, and the defense sort of fell apart. Um, they played better uh, the second half of the season when Lane sort of, you know, put it back to, uh, you know, reset it to Barry Trotz's uh, era. Um, but yeah, no, they, they do need to take more shots. And, and certainly if, if Matthew Barzell is any indication in preseason and training camp, I, I, I do think they've gotten that message. Um, Kurt Green says, how does Ross moving on affect Matt Martin's future? Is another year or two extension more likely now since there is no one obvious to fill that role? And I got to be honest, I, I think Lou is going to do, or whoever the GM president is, they're going to do with Matt Martin uh, without worrying about what was going on with Ross, because we'd seen that time and time again. I don't know that Ross moving on affects Matt Martin's future one way or the other. Um, you know, whether Matt Martin is offered another contract, I, I think he... I, yeah, I don't think he's obviously playing. If he wants to continue his career, he's going to have to show that on the ice this season. And uh, we haven't, you know, he hasn't really disclosed yet whether uh, he thinks this might be his last season or not. I, I sort of tried asking him that, and uh, you know, he didn't really say definitively one way or another. Matt says the Islanders get uh, ridiculed. For Bo Horvat's eight-year, $68 million extension, but the Sabres gave uh, Owen Power a seven-year, $58 million deal, and they are heroes and darlings of the league. Is Power really that much better than Horvat to warrant such disparate responses? And I I can't control what kind of responses... uh, I, I think any ridicule from Bo Horvat's contract is because Lou Lamarillo very honestly said afterwards, yeah, yeah, we paid more than we wanted to, but that's that's the market. That's what we had to do. Um, Lou, Lou wouldn't have 
you know, all things being equal, Lou knew that it was a little bit of a, a bloated contract. And I don't know how you compare Owen Power and uh, Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat's obviously uh, a center who's been in this league, I think, for nine seasons. Owen Power, uh, former number one overall pick, is, uh, what is he, He's still 20, 21? Um, how old is Owen Power here? He's still 20. So, you know, the Islanders are sort of paying Bo Horvat on past performance while the Sabres are betting on future performance. And and that's, you know, the, the, the Sabres are being lauded for basically locking up their young players. Um, and the Islanders, you know, they get ridiculed for quote-unquote overpaying. But I, I don't, look, it was the market. And once you make the trade for Bo Horvat, you have to re-sign him. And that was the price. And uh, it, it, that is what it is. I don't see how you compare the two. Uh, CMO says, what does the record have to be after the first 20 games for Lane Lambert to survive? I'll flip that question. Um, I, I don't think it's hugely likely that uh, Lambert is fired after 20 games. But for that to happen, you're talking about the Islanders have to get out of the gate with only like, you know, <laughs> you know three, four, five six wins in their first 20 to really think about that, I would think. Um, hey, listen, I, I appreciate everyone listening. Again, if you want to catch up on uh, my Islanders coverage, it's all there at newsday.com backslash aisles. You can also find me at a gross newsday. And uh, the next time we talk, there are going to be actual wins and losses and points that matter. Really looking forward to that. And until then, enjoy the hockey and happy hockey.